0: Um, Right, so today we're going to finish off our series in the Beatitudes, so if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 5, we'll be starting there, or finishing there really. So I'll read these Beatitudes to you again one, one last time. who are before you. I called these, sort of a subtitle, these are the happy attitudes. The Beatitudes means, you know, the blessed are, and somebody I I was reading called them the happy attitudes, and I kind of nicked that. I like the the idea that these are happy attitudes. Um, And this is the last one we're going to look at today, which is, well, we'll come to it in a minute. (laughs) I'll, I'll read it again. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of Righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, before we, to wrap this up, you know, if you look at the first one in, in verse 3, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit for what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you notice, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for what? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's kind of like the way this is all sort of wrapped together. Is that here's like the two bookends, if you like, of, of the Beatitudes. Um, and uh, the kingdom of heaven, which is one of Jesus' major themes, seems to be holding this all together. You see, it's, it's all wrapped up with the kingdom of heaven. Um, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is not what you necessarily wanted to hear. This is not the great finale to the, um, the Beatitudes. You think, oh, good, I've been... I, these are real... You know, I, we all mourn, yeah, from time to time. So it's good. There's good news about us mourning, and actually, it's good news for those who don't want to be the powerful, strong ones and sort of throw their muscles and their might around. Because blessed are the meek. Wonderful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Okay, I get that. But really, do we have to finish <laughs> this with blessed are those who are, you know, persecuted, uh, bullied, pushed around, mistreated? Troubled, harassed because of their faith, because of their righteousness, because of their trust in Jesus. Do we, is this really good news? I don't suppose this is what we wanted to hear. And if I'm honest, I, I, I kind of want to avoid the subject. I'm sure we all, you know, what should we talk about today, folks? Let's talk about persecution. We're probably kind of, oh, really, do we have to? Can't we, you know, it's feast, can't we talk about the food? Um... It's an interesting one, and I wonder even because of that, because you know people don't really want to face this, that Jesus puts in a, a little bit of a sort of an extra beatitude at the end, if you like. He kind of almost qualifies it in verses eleven and twelve, and he kind of goes on to sort of say, well, blessed are those people who, when when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things again of evil against you, because of it. rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, as heaven again. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. And I don't know if you noticed there, but in verse 9, it says, uh, sorry, verse 10, it says, blessed are those who, who are persecuted. Blessed are those, you know. And it's one of those things where we can read this, and all oh, right, blessed are those. And we think of maybe people in different parts of the world, and we think, yeah, okay, it's good for them. It's good for them, blessed are those when they are persecuted. But then Jesus kind of turns it around in, verse, in the next few verses, and he says, but blessed are you when you are persecuted almost like he's kind of this isn't just some general theory of christianity but this is going to be a reality for you if you're going to follow me this is what it's going to be like you 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 blessed are you this isn't just for them out there but it's for us here and i don't want to make these sort of easy sort of twee words you know say oh great you know when somebody kicks sand in your face because you're a christian it's good news you know Hey, isn't it easy? I want to say this with great sensitivity, there's great atrocity and persecution happening in our world today. You know, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, on Easter Sunday, we all know about the bombing in Sri Lanka, uh, obviously with Pinto here, uh, just last week, and it hits home even more, doesn't it, when we really have that personal connection to, to those things. Um, I just did a bit of Googling. If you want to find out about how the church is persecuted around the world, there's an uh, uh, organization called the Barnabas Trust, oh, the Barnabas Foundation. Trust Trust. Yeah. And, um, so I just looked on their website, and in the last few weeks, there have been things like in Burkina Faso, uh, there was five people killed in a church when somebody just drove past and started shooting. Um, in Egypt, the police closed down a church Uh, and there was threats of uh, attacks towards that church. Um, In this country, a Christian lady was sacked from her job in a school for opposing teaching on on homosexuality in schools. And if you're into rugby, people will know this. Uh, There's an international rugby player called Israel Folau, who is a rugby um, Australian international. So big... Right now, I'm not going to say that he was the wisest in the way he put things, on Twitter, but nevertheless he, he put things out there and didn't back down on them, on his beliefs and, and, and as a result he's lost his job, you know, he's not playing Australia and the only good news that is for England when we play against them, but apart from that is like, this is huge, this is the guy's livelihood you know um, yet Jesus says in the face of these things, rejoice and be glad you're blessed because yours is the kingdom of heaven and I think for all these people, we pray and ourselves improve that we have a bigger perspective, a higher vision. I had a strange dream, actually. Last night. I didn't mean to say this, but I had a dream that somebody stole the mud guard off my bike. Um, sorry, it's a complete tangent now, but it was kind of... There was these two bullies showed up in this dream and they were just, like, taking people... It's, you know my bike's reasonably precious to me. It's not that it be all an end or the thing, but it was kind of... And it was almost like... I just say to them, it's just a bike. I have a bigger I have a bigger vision here. The kingdom of heaven is my, you can do what you like to me, kind of thing. You, know, you can do what I like to my bike, you can do what you like to me, but if we have the joy of heaven, then these things are put into perspective. Maybe I had too much cheese before bedtime, I don't know. Sometimes these things happen. Sometimes God speaks to us through them. So I don't want to oversimplify these things. There is pain in the persecution. Um, in fact, there's centuries of pain, isn't there? You know, the, the things I've just read there are just scratching the surface. You go back to the... Um, there was a great reading these things. There was a chap called Polycarp. You don't call many boys Polycarp nowadays, do you? you know? Maybe the next generation. Who knows? No, Isabel and you know, Gabriel, when you have children, you will be calling them Polycarp. But anyway, he was um, AD 69 to 8156. He was an old man burnt at the stake. And he was really, um, I think, if I'm right, he was a disciple of John, one of the, the apostles. So he was kind of second generation, if you like, on from Jesus. And, and one of the first to encounter persecution in the, under the Roman Empire. And on his sort of farewell, if you like, he says, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour, so that in the company of the martyrs I may share the cup of Christ. Um, the next generation from him was a guy called Tertullian. And he, uh, he said this, If the Tiber, that's the, that's the river in Rome, the Tiber, yeah? as, rises as high as the walls of the city, if the Nile does not send its waters up over the fields, if the heavens give no rain, if there is an earthquake, if there is a famine or pestilence, straight away the cry is, away with the Christians to the lion. And basically he's saying, if anything goes wrong in this world nowadays, we blame the Christians, and we persecute them. So that was right back in the beginning. And interesting, I didn't know this, but so that's right back in the beginning, coming to the present day, um, in 2012, Angela Merkel, you know, the Chancellor of Germany, she said, and she was criticized for saying this, um, that Christians today are the most widely persecuted minority in the world. And she was criticized for saying that, but then there was a bit of research done And people were kind of like, actually, she's right. You know. Um, So basically, from the beginning uh, to now, and in fact, if you don't even need to live before Christ, you know, the Old Testament prophets, uh, people have been persecuted. uh, God's people have been persecuted from day one. So, should this surprise us? Should persecution surprise us? Well, what did Jesus teach? He's he didn't just, I mean, notice J, Jesus never mentions his words, does he? he? He didn't sort of say, you know, you might get a little bit of stick from your mates from time to time. You might, they might take your mickey out of you occasionally, you know. There may be a bit of mild abuse, or a, he might find a little bit of opposition. But on the whole, things will be plain Did Jesus ever say anything along those lines? No, I don't think so. He basically just said, you will be persecuted because of me. People, in fact, he went on to say, people will think you're, they're doing God a service if they kill you. Good news, guys. Are you sure you want to follow me? I mean, he was really, you know, honest, wasn't he? You know, this is If you want to follow me, this is not going to be some easy road. And Paul carries on in the letters, he says in Second Timothy, he says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why do we do this? <laughs> Why do we do this? Why do we sign up for this? Well, I think it comes back to that. You've got to keep this idea, the perspective of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, in mind. And I guess most of us reluctantly know that that persecution is is, is a mass, is a sort of fact of life, if you if you like, for, for the Christian. Uh, we know it, but I don't know if we want to accept it. Uh, I wonder what our consider your response to persecution. What is your response? A lot of the time, I find when people, particularly in this country, when when something happens like um, you know, like a, a teacher loses a job for, for speaking out uh, against sort of the, the way that the morality, if you like, of the country at the moment. Um, a lot of the time, what I come across in uh, the church's reaction to that is outrage, and and probably a fair bit of moaning. We we're, we're good at sort of moaning over tea and coffee after church about, oh, this shouldn't be happening in our country. It didn't used to be like this. Anyone ever said that? Didn't used to be like this. Uh, it's not right. We should be free to express our beliefs. You know, a lot of head-shaking. Um, and I wonder if, if that attitude is correct. Does that line up with Jesus' approach? Jesus said it would happen. And sometimes we, we almost react as if like we're surprised. Look, this shouldn't be happening. This should, you know, we have this righteous outrage. This shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't have... A, People uh, shouldn't be losing their job. You know, Israel flowers should be still playing for Australia. This shouldn't be happening. But what did Jesus say? It will happen. It will happen. So what do we believe more? Like we have, I think, because of we live in this quite safe world. We have lived in quite a safe world for quite a long time. The church has, anyway. We have this idea. Well, culturally, we we should be all right. We can do what we want and say what we want as a church, and, and the culture will accept us. But Jesus' perspective was no, it's going to happen it's going to happen, and it will happen so don't be surprised, don't be too upset in in the sense of like oh, isn't it terrible Jesus says it's going to happen these things which Jesus said will happen but he says rejoice when it happens And, and I think rather than moan and say oh isn't it terrible Let's not rejoice in the persecution, but let's rejoice in the blessing. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. Nobody's going to rejoice when somebody kicks sand at your face about being kicked. You know, scratching the sand out of your eye. We don't rejoice in that, do we? You know, we don't rejoice in actually losing our job, but we do rejoice that the kingdom of heaven is out. That's something to rejoice about. But do we believe Jesus in this? That's the question. Do we believe it or? or do we kind of go into the default cultural position, which is kind of, oh, well, this isn't right. Oh, well, you know, it didn't used to be like this. We should do something about it. Because the other, the other reaction I find that is common in, in uh, when when we're sort of faced with persecution, is the is the reaction to fight against it, to stand up. Um, sometimes physically, sometimes people will, will will try and fight back physically uh, to show we aren't weak and we aren't pushovers. Some a lot of the time, people push back verbally, and argue the case, expose the prejudice, fight against the injustice. And there are organizations that fight legally, challenge the law, challenge the law of our land, challenge um, things in court. And, and I'm, I, I struggle with that, I, can, I understand that. But is that, Jesus, is that what Jesus taught? I can't think of anywhere where he says, yeah, challenge it. Jesus did stand up to the religiosity of his day, didn't he? He went into the temple and he he said, this is not right, guys. You're you're making this a burden. This, where it should be, freedom. But I can't think where he fought back against the persecution. Like when Peter, with his sword, he said, "Put the sword away. He took up his own cross, didn't he? He went to the cross. He didn't didn't really put him up much of a fight in the sense of his defense. In front of Pilate. Now, I realise that's probably oversimplifying things, and maybe there are things we do need to stand up for, and it comes back to something that Sheila said that struck me. You know, when we're to be peacemakers, we need to work out when we stand up to things and when we're to be a peacemaker. But if you look at Jesus, he never promised religious freedom. And so we need to ask the question, what, we, what are we fighting for? Jesus didn't come to bring religious freedom. He came to bring freedom. But not religious freedom, I say. So what are we fighting for? Are we fighting to preserve ourselves? Or are we going to trust God and, and not retaliate and just say, you know, I'm going to trust God and know that he will win the day. Just like Jesus on the cross. We looked at this on Good Friday, but he said, into, my, into your hands I commit my spirit. And in that he's saying, I'm, in the face of this ridiculous, outrageous persecution that just is not right, is not just is over the top completely for who he was in, in one sense, because he was innocent he's going to say, I, I'm just going to commit to God and allow God to fight within the day and if we have that instinct to fight in us against persecution, maybe there's something that doesn't trust this beatitude, this word of Jesus who said when you're persecuted you're blessed because yours is the kingdom of heaven. So, are we going to fight against that blessing? Mm. Difficult one, because our natural instinct is to punch back, isn't it? A lot of the time. Now, in this, get me right. I'm not saying we go out and we have a board on us saying, "Look, I'm a Christian. Please punch me." We're not looking for, for, for uh, you know, to be persecuted just for the sake sure. of it. All right? You will be absolutely. Stupid to do that. You're in fact it's quite strange. If you went around kind of saying, Look, I want the blessing of persecution, so not almost putting a target on your chest and saying, Christian, hit me. All right? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we rejoice in the persecution itself. Nobody enjoys hardship or abuse or harassment or mistreatment. But when it happens, and it will, Jesus says, we can rejoice. Not because of the persecution itself, but because our reward is great in heaven. That's the happy attitude. That is the attitude that will get you through pretty much everything in life, that perspective of knowing that there is a greater purpose beyond this. The kingdom has a higher calling on your life. We live in a different world. We live in a, a, above this world, and the, the hardship and the objections that we may face here are nothing in. And so Jesus here is envisioning his followers, you and me included, and saying there was a bigger thing going on here, a much bigger thing, and you're involved in it. And that's how he approached his own persecution. It doesn't it say in Hebrews, it says, Jesus, for the joy who was set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was his vision? A wooden cross and nails, which would have been painful, or something beyond that? something beyond that, right? The joy of the kingdom of heaven you is what? Took him through the cross. Rejoice and be glad when your persecution comes because it is the sign of the kingdom of heaven being yours. And just to end, I want us to think, have we ever considered why there is persecution of God's people? I mean, think about it. You know, the Jews, God's people, have just had it tough for all of history, haven't they? Yeah. The church and and that goes back and Jesus says that, doesn't it? You know, you, you are rejoicing because you're you like you're in with the prophets. They they had a hard time, so you you know, you count yourself in the sort of same category. The church also, as we've just looked, if you look through the the history of the church and if you look through um, the Barnabas Trust website now, even if you look around what's going on now, the church is is the most persecuted minority in the world, said Angelo why is that? Well, I think one of the reasons is that it is a symptom and a sign of mankind's original rebellion against God. I think if you read the Bible, you see there are two basic types of people. They're for God or against God. Yeah, Jesus said that himself, doesn't he? Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me. Again, Jesus is not being kind of a bit gray in the middle. It's either you're in or you're out. You know, Whoever does not gather with me scatters, he says. So you're either against me, or you're for me. And in this world, the, the people, the systems, the structures who rebel against God, anyone who's against God, who's not with God, will kick against anything that is for God. They persecute us because they oppose God. They persecute the church and because they're in rebellion against God. And you see, the church is the first and most obvious easy target, isn't it? I'm not into God. Ah, the church. Right, we'll kick against that. Now, that may not be the connection that's going on inside the, the persecutor's head. But if they're in rebellion against God, then they're going to be against Jesus. And where do you find Jesus? Here. They may not realize all of this. I mean, it probably maybe a bit more new. I'm think a bit more nuanced than maybe what's going on in their head, but if you're in rebellion against God and we are God's people, you're kind of going to expect there's going to be some opposition, right? So, the we call the, the culture we live in now a secular culture. And the secular culture will persecute, persecute Christians for holding biblical principles because a secular culture is rebelling against God, isn't it? Yeah? So... You're going to see that's where the 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 crunch comes. Cultures that are dominated by other religions persecute Christians because their God challenges our God. It's a spiritual battle, really. So persecution against God's people was a real outworking of of people's rebellion against God. And, and I'd like to say, unfortunately, but actually Jesus says, "Blessed are you," because it sort of shows you. on you're on my side. You're on my team. Yeah? Another cheery thing from Jesus in John 15: He says, If the world hates you, keep in mind it hates me first. Okay? <laughs> <Hey, I'm sorry. laughs> if they persecute me, they will also will persecute you. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours. Again, black and white. So to face persecution for the sake of Christ is a sign that you are God's people. The world sees you as God's people, even if it doesn't realize that. Because it is, if it's in rebellion against God, it's going it's to kick against you. But blessed are you who are persecuted because of righteousness, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice and be glad, because you are recognized, therefore, as a child of God in this world where there is a lot of rebellion against God himself. So don't go looking for persecution. But when it happens, join with Polycarp, one of the first members of the first church, and he says, I bless you, Father, I'll read it again, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this honor, that in the company of the martyrs I may share the of. And so I want to just take a moment again. I know we prayed last week for Sri Lanka, but I want to pray for the church around the world. You know, there's great persecution. In reality, what we face losing their jobs, big deal for them. In reality, by comparison to what goes on in the world around, pretty. Let's pray for the the, the the church around the world, but let's but also let's pray for ourselves because the more secular this culture becomes, the more rebelling against God it becomes the more difficult it's going to be for me and you. And that's good news. Because ours is the kingdom of heaven. And I honestly think, and this is just a side note, it's not really what this message is about, but the more secular our country becomes, um, the more opportunity it is for us to be revealed as the children of God. That people go, this is so different. And they'll either persecute us. Or they'll go, actually, this isn't working. This secular stuff isn't working. I need to come back. It seems to be working here. It seems we have a community here, a very diverse community. It seems to be working here. The people seem to be, they seem to love each other. They seem to have something going on in their lives. There seems to be sort of a peace. There seems to be a joy. There seems to be a joy even when we kick them in the face. (laughs) And why is that? Because there is. Kingdom of heaven. And I do think that as the culture goes more in that direction, more opposite, it will be harder for us, but there will be greater opportunity for transformation in in the that's, second world. That's my opinion. Um, let's pray for, for the world and the persecuted church and pray for us as well to finish with. And then we can uh, enjoy chewing over these things as we. Have. Lord, this is, um, you have a strange way of, of, of putting things together and how these Beatitudes, these, these great blessings end at the, the beginning of this uh, Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes end with this really troubling uh, message of, hey, help us to rejoice and help us to get a bigger picture on the rejoicing the kingdom of heaven. There is so much more going on than... That, the, that there is a kingdom of heaven that is ours, beyond us. So come Holy Spirit, and, and really put this truth in our persecution, give us that truth in us, that we'll be able to say, I'm going to follow the Jesus way." by persecution. Let us follow Jesus and say, no, this is a sign, and ours is the kingdom of heaven, so we so much easier to say than do, but come Holy Spirit and embed this in us. And as we live in this world, and as the the world goes further from you, and as we become a bigger target for the, the, the people and the world around us, let us draw strength from this truth. So I pray strength that we would better stand, and do all to stand in the face of persecution. And we do pray for the church and the world around us. We do know that there is terrible, atrocious things that happen. We we come again, bring Sri Lanka and the church there to you, Burkina Faso, Sudan, China, Iran, just so many different places. There are just just a few places we know where the church is persecuted and oppressed. But everywhere where your people gather, everywhere where people call on your name, let them know that the kingdom of heaven is theirs and in the face of even the most extreme violence and harassment and opposition, that they would know that that there is joy because you have given them the kingdom of heaven, that they are your people. And because they're identified in you, that is where the opposition comes But because they're identified in you, you win with them. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. Hours is the kingdom, hours is the power, hours is the glory in Christ. Seal them in that eternal heart.